Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Welcome to Powered by Age. It's Thursday, March 11th. I'm Charlotte, Sister C. Farrell, your Powered by Age host. And I acknowledge that our program is occurring on the unceded, which means they didn't give it to us, lands and territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Today, we are presenting a tribute to the life and legacy of Shawn Gill, an awesome activist and recipient of the Order of Ridius Columbia, who recently lost his life to cancer. Marion Pollock, chair of the 401 Senior Center Society's Board of Directors, is going to elaborate on his legacy and facilitate the speakers that are paying homage to Sean today. Uh, but first, we have two short acknowledgments. Leslie Hubert is going to read the International Women's Month Act acknowledgement, and I'm going to read an excerpt from Prime Minister Trudeau's declaration regarding March 11th. So, Leslie, are you ready? Yes, okay, hi. Uh, The ICW, the International Council of Women, asks, so I'm a member of the New Westminster Council of Women, just as a preamble, which is part of the, it's a chapter which belongs to the BC Council, and we're affiliated to the Canadian National Council, which in turn is a member of the International Council. Okay, so that's that. Okay, so the ICW asks to see women leaders grow in every aspect of society, not only under normal circumstances, but also under difficult conditions, such as those imposed by the pandemic. Transformative and normative change necessary to challenge gender inequalities requires meaningful participation of women and women-led organizations. Taking into account the insights learned from COVID-19, ICWCIF requests that its members and supporters assist policymakers in harnessing the economic power of women in driving the economic recovery from the pandemic and in supporting gender-inclusive growth, advocating in the following areas. Accelerating the prevalence of women's leadership and women's involvement in decision-making. Investing in social infrastructure and family-friendly policies. Eliminating all forms of violence against women and girls. Accelerating advances in developing women's workforce competencies through enhanced professional and vocational training. Encouraging women's entrepreneurial initiatives. More than ever, this is the time to firmly march forward in our movement toward equality while, at the same time, providing invaluable support in conquering the severe impact of the pandemic. This can be realized through increasing the numbers of women in important leadership positions and improvement in women's organizations' practices, policies, and programs so as to create an enabling 
and rights-based environment in which women can enjoy equal rights and opportunities while engaging as responsible actors and innovators in helping to solve societal problems. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for the opportunity to read that. (laughs) Thank you for bringing it to us. We have one more week left in Women's History Month next week, and we'll be doing a special program uh, for that. Regarding the uh, statement by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he first announced it yesterday, but formally presented it to the House of Commons this morning. Here's an excerpt. He says, we all have a role to play in ending this pandemic, and the crisis is not over yet. In recognition of how far we have come and how far we still have to go, the Government of Canada is designating March 11th, 2021 as a National Day of Observance. He emphasized, on this day, I invite all Canadians to join together in honoring the memory of those we have lost and the people they left behind. We will also recognize everyone who's been impacted by COVID-19 and pay tribute to all those who continue to work hard and make incredible sacrifices in our fight against the virus. Together, we will beat COVID-19. And now I turn you over to our board chair, Marian Pollock, who is going to begin our tribute presentations. In February of this year, we lost someone who I would call an activist extraordinaire, and that was Mr. Sharon Gale. I first met Sharon when he was one of the lead organizers for the Canadian Farm Workers Union. And it was when I first met Sharon, he was one of the organizers, lead organizers for the Canadian Farm Workers Union. And at that time, and still often today, farm workers worked, who were mostly South Asian and many South Asian women, worked in really deplorable conditions. And Sharon and, and, um, and Sarwan Bowl and Harinder Mahil and Ra Shohan, who we all have with us today, were active in fighting for farm workers' rights. And they were, not only were they fighting for farm workers' rights, but it also meant health and safety and women's rights. Sharon kept on being an activist. Um, He was a leader of the struggle against racism and a founder of the BC Organization Against Racism. And then in his later life, he founded um, PICS, the Intercultural Society, and they did amazing stuff. They did, they organized um, ho- um, homes and housing, uh, homes for senior for seniors. They, they, they organized um, anti-violence services for women. It was quite amazing. And, you know, even though I know Sharon, I didn't know him as well as our speakers. The other co- very cool thing about Sharon is he has a close connection to the 411 Senior Center. He was on the board for two years between 2013 and 2015. I was surprised. I walked into my very first board meeting, and who's there but Sharon Gale, an icon, you know, in my eyes, Um, a huge icon. So we have three guest speakers to to talk about. Um, to us about Sharon Gill. The first one is Sarwan Bowell. I met Sarwan when we were both much younger, and he was also one of the lead organizers in the Canadian Farm Workers Union. And Sarwan not only fought 
for the Canadian Farm Workers Union. He had a particular interest in fighting for health and safety, protecting people against farm workers, against pesticides and things like that. And now he's one of the vice chairs of the Workers' Compensation um, Tribunal, WCAT, um, which uh, Workers' Compensation Appeal Tribunal. Um, he still is, is a, an activist and he still is passionate about health and safety. And he worked with Sarwin, or he worked with Sharon for Gills. So now I'm turning it over to Sar, Mr. Sarwin Bowell. Okay, my name is Sarwin Bowell. And uh, I worked uh, together with uh, John Paul Gill, Hrinder Mahal, Rajivan. We all worked together uh, to better the society. I met John Paul Gill in 19, uh, I think, 1979. Since then, we all worked together uh, in a various uh, positions in Farm Worker Union, BCOFR, and then the uh, uh, PIC Society that uh, Sharon established in his later years. And uh, Sharon was not only uh, my uh, a person that I worked with, he was my one of my best friends as well. And, and he gave me a lot of advice uh, on a very timely manner on a various occasion. And uh, I, I, I looked for I looked to him as my as a, as a fatherly figure. And uh, I remember then we first met when we were in the Canadian Farm Workers Organizing Committee that was uh, initially uh, started organized by Yapana here. Hirinder, of course, was the first person there and Raj Johan as well. And uh, so we worked together in the Canadian Farm Worker Union. I was the one of the organizers there. Uh, and uh, I organized uh, farm workers not only here in the Fraser Valley, we were also organizing people in um, in Ontario, Delhi uh, area, those people who were picking uh, tobacco. They was working in the tobacco farms. And we also organized, we were trying to organize people in Okanagan. And there were people, uh, the, the young people who used to come from uh, Quebec and used to pick fruits. And, and I used to speak, <laughs> speak that time a little bit French. So I was able to... I was able to get together people there. Almost there were one time there were about 350 people, all young. And I invited Raj to speak to them in, in Okanagan Valley. And, and we did a really good job there and shaken up uh, those farmers uh, who were not treating them, uh, I mean, as a, as worker, but as well as there was racism with them. And they will not let them pitch a tent not only in their farms or orchard, but not only on a common area, which was uh, the, the uh, municipality property. And uh, they faced a lot of uh, racism. And I did myself too. And I was invited to speak there at a, uh, there was uh, the uh, United Food and Commercial Worker Union organized uh, uh, um, processing plant there in, in, um, in um, Caramillos. And I went there to speak and uh, Judy and I both went there to speak. And first question I was asked, what I was doing here, I should go back where I come from. Even the people who were in the union. But I knew that, I already knew that that's going to happen with me. Anyway, so we need, we're supposed to talk about Chernpal Gill. And Chernpal Gill was such a person 
when he was in the farmworker union, at the same time, he was working as a social worker. When we, when we opened up our office on 6th Street in, uh, in New Westminster, of course, there was no heat and no hot water. <laughs> we were paying $100. And I remember Raj and myself, we were working full-time there that time. And Rinder was also working. And John Paul's office was right across from the 6th Street office where we had that in New Westminster. And John Paul, after finishing his work, used to come over and help us there every time. He was there every time. It doesn't matter a day or night. You call him. He was always, always there. And, and I think beauty, what, what Chan Paul actually quality, which I found was the, he never uh, got mad. I mean, intentionally, personally with anybody. He was mad with the people's ideas, but, but he was not mad with as a person, somebody. And he had such a cool mind. He kept on going doesn't matter what. I remember we used to, uh, when we used to do demonstration out in the Fraser Valley, Abbotsford, we were all farmers there. I remember we had a really, uh, I think more than 1,000 people joined us at that time in the 1980s after we formed the union. And Chan Paul was with us. So of course, she knew a lot of farmers there. And uh, I remember there was a, a church, uh, uh, United something, and they never let us park our cars in their parking lot. And so we parked our cars on the road. And, uh, and John Paul was right there. And the farmers actually knew him, but they, they uh, but it doesn't matter because farmers are farmers, right? And they're there. So we also went through the people who were living in the, and the and the uh, cabins they call it cabin is a pretty nice name, but those were basically shacks. People were living there; those who came from out of the out of the city. And 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 Chern Paul basically uh, in the in the um, when he was president of the um, British Columbia organization to fight racism, we were right there. And every time when people's uh, um, homes, uh, windows were broken, we all went there, Rinder, Raj, myself, and everybody accompanied Churn Paul. We were out there right away. And, and I know he had a lot of threats due, because of that at his home. And, and a lot of the racists uh, gave him a really threat that wanted to kill him. I remember that. But he continued to struggle. Not only for the farm workers, also the society as a large uh, fighting racism. And uh, when he formed this uh, uh, PIC society, and uh, I was that time, I'm 1996, uh, uh, 1991, I found a job there. But then uh, John Paul found this uh, progressive um, uh, international community services society that time, PICS. And uh, so I became a full, um, lifetime member of the society. And uh, because the Chanpal, I was really good friends. And uh, I always went there wherever he wanted me to go there. And uh, of course, I was not an active member of that. But Chanpal, beside everything, what he did, like you said, Marion, he was an icon, not only in the South Asian society. He was an icon for the larger community here in Canada. I know the, uh, I mean, people here did not recognize uh, whatever he has actually done for international, uh, for communities here at large, 
not only for the Indo-Canadian farm workers or, or the South Asian community, for everybody here. Now, when he opened up that um, first two, uh, Peck Society, two homes, one was the independent um, the living, the other one, uh, other one was the um, where people couldn't do anything, and that was a dependent, and that society where assisted living, they call it. So he, uh, at that time, when he was doing that, he was also working on other front. Because in my view, he had a very open mind and very his thoughts were going all over. And he was thinking about the older member of our community, older men. And like you said, Marion, the women who was, uh, who, was, who, was, who was facing violence at homes. So I think the most important thing that he done in his last year was that he established the that uh, uh, the for the older uh, um, people, older senior people that now they're they that assisted living, they can speak their own language because people were kind of really didn't speak the English language, but now uh, they were served their own food. They can speak with their own language. They felt at home, and and then he opened up this. Uh, uh, harmony home for the women who were really treated badly at home and of course he kept the uh, address of that home secret only people who were relative or who were authorized to go would go there otherwise nobody else could go that uh, place so I think I've taken a lot of time and I can leave some room for questions and I, I want to say that it, that Sharon's skill benefited seniors because a lot of the farm workers were senior men and women. They weren't, you know, they weren't the 23-year-olds. They were, they were people who, you know, should not have been, you know, were, were working in the fields well past age 60. Yes. Is that true, Sharon? A lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's, that's, that's absolutely true because the people... Because the other one, on those days, now the demographic had changed in the fields. But those days, the people who used to come directly from Punjab, basically, and they were farmers themselves there in India. So they came here. When I, I can tell you my story. When I first went to pick up the uh, berries, I mean, uh, and, and I saw and heard even farmers, Punjabi farmers, abusing. Uh, they were swearing at women. And I mean, you know, we 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 couldn't hack it. Uh, so I mean, that was one of my experience. Then once we formed the union, together with Harinder Mahal and Rajwan and Judy Kavna, and then I was organizer. I used to go on the farm. I remember one time I went on the farm there. It was a bath farm. It's called. And they, this guy, a bath farm. Uh, there was another farm that's a Kosha Brothers farm. That guy was totally crazy. I went with uh, David Lane, who was that time uh, our uh, student, uh, uh, law student, working with us. And that guy, we were talking to people in the in the uh, cabins because we we had the uh, authority from labor relations board the, under the legislation that we could go there after Robert and talk to the people in the cabins. Right, that's what where we used to go. I, we went there, and this guy pulled a gun on us, both of us. We were inside talking to the workers, and he came just running in his van. He was, uh, 
he didn't he was only one legged person and maybe didn't have the brain and he was he pulled a gun out of his uh, van and and just uh, pointed at both of us and david lane was kind of shivering and i said don't worry these people not going to shoot okay just don't worry about it even if they shoot we here with the won't came here so her wife his wife came running right from the house and she starts swearing at him and she pulled a took the gun out of him and he left it's not just one occasion there's many occasions it happened with us and uh, i know that people those who work in the farm uh, they could not stand right away because of they needed the job they came from out of the out of the out of the country out of the uh, city from uh, from mokanagan from french george from different places to work in the fraser valley and they had you know we, we could understand that but those are the problem we faced and one time i think i must tell you the uh, the person uh, there was an older family uh, over 65 him and his wife they were both working in this uh, on the farm they they lived in a cabin and it was almost about 11 o'clock mid uh, night time and uh, the farmer because they joined the union the farmer took their uh, everything their belonging and the throw it on the road and kicked them out of the cabin and those days there used to be the phone on the corner you know those uh, telephone uh, phone now we don't see it but those days we have those boots so those guys that that guy or his farm uh, the worker he he went to the phone and called shran and shran called me right away and he said we got to go there because the the they kicked those two people out of the cabin and you come so i went there and so we right away we went to it was in abbotsford and when we went there and the farmer uh, he had a little drink and when he saw us and he he got really he was kind of please sorry um, i don't mean it and please bring him back and we don't mean to do that we didn't know that and not did not do that because of union but of course and we said john paul said you guys come with us both of those workers we said we're not going to leave you here we're going to took you our place and then tomorrow morning we'll come and talk to you so i mean he stood up for for a people's right and and uh, he did not even prevent eroding the human rights of the people he also wanted to expand human rights for everybody that was chanpal gel what a great testimony and talking it's a perfect introduction to the our next speaker about sharon gel because this this our next speaker harinder mahil has spent a lifetime fighting for human rights not only as yes. a member of the canadian farm workers union but he was also very active um in the bc human rights commission and he stayed uh, working for human rights and on the bc human rights commission until the B- until it was dismantled by the provincial government government um but and now he's fighting for human rights and workers rights as a, a union representative and um so he, he'll also talk what his experience with um Sharon Gill Harinder are you able to talk now say thanks Marion uh, i met Sharon in 1977 so that's been about 44 years i mean he's been activist all his life right to his until his death 
Like he was doing something about workers. He wanted to make Canada a much better society than it is. And I'm sure he's, he's leaving it much better than when he came to this country so sometime in 1967-68. You know, there were two examples given, one by yourself, Marianne, that you walked into the center, uh, the senior 411 senior center, he was on the board. And this is something we didn't, I didn't know, I'm his friend. Like, wherever something was going on, he was there. He was a man with tremendous energy. You know, um, you see something going on which may cause you stress, people get stressed. But rather than being stressful, this would energize him. Like who would get a, a call in the middle of the night at 11 p.m. and then go all the way to Abbasburg to pick up, you know, workers who've been thrown out by a farmer who doesn't like unions. I mean, amazing, amazing man, wonderful man. You know, we, he was, uh, he came together with a group of us to form the, what we call the Four Worker, Four Worker Organizing Committee, that back in 77, 78. Uh, he came together with us to form the Canadian Foreign Worker Union in 1980. The same year, we set up BC organization to fight racism because racism was rampant in those days and there were people being attacked. Uh, either by racist members of the community or by, you know, there was also KKK here uh, in those days. And if that wasn't enough, uh, he did a lot to convince the government of the day, it was social credit in, back in 1980, 79-80, to make sure that the farm workers had the same protection or legislation that other workers enjoyed. Before that, farm workers had not, were not even covered by labor standards legislation. Like somebody could go and work for a farmer, be owed a lot of wages, there's nothing they could do. They had to work work. I mean, can you imagine a poor person who has no language skills, doesn't know, you know, what to act in the society, having to go to court to recover his salary, cover wages that they, you know, a few hundred dollars, and they end up paying more to a lawyer than, uh, than it's worth. Uh, so again, once, you know, uh, if that wasn't enough, he set up the Progressive Intercultural Community Service Society in the late 80s. Uh, you know, I remember him telling me a story because in this, those days I wasn't living in the North mainland. He got together 10 of his friends or eight of his friends and asked them to pay $10 each. That was $80 to incorporate a society. And that eventually became the PIX, Progressive Intercultural Community Service Society, which now has a budget of many million dollars a year. And it has a staff over 150. You know, it uh, you know has a, a several talk about uh, a independent living, you know, uh, home, an assisted living, uh, Society, you know, community, uh, and a uh, and a home where uh, who, you know for women who are victims of domestic violence, you know, it's a uh, amazing, amazing energy. You know, somebody I have not seen anyone with the same energy right to his last day. You know, uh, he was uh, he 
uh, had to be taken to hospital because, you know, nobody's family didn't know. We didn't know what's wrong with him. Uh, he had been complaining about his knees. And it turned out that when he, they took him to the hospital, um, it turned out to be cancer. And he told his family this one song that he says, I want you to play this again and again. The song was related in, it's in Punjabi language, but workers' rights, you know, uh, as to how the workers should come together, form unions, you know, make this world a better place. And, and that's how we went out, listening to the same song about the workers' rights. And I think, you know, I'm just going to end there because you heard from several minutes, you know, uh, uh, at some length and uh, with those brief comments and we're able, you know, we're prepared to answer any questions you may have about this tremendous, tremendous friend who we lost a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, he really was a fight, um, like uh, an activist extraordinaire. He inspired young people like me when I was young. And, you know, he fought till the end. So at, in about 20 minutes, Ross Shohan, who also organized farm workers, but now is an NDP MLA member, and the Speaker of the House will be joining us. But until then, do people have any questions or comments about, you know, this extraordinary man we're, we're hearing about? Can I just add maybe uh, just somewhere to what Rinder said? Uh, uh, I, and the last, what he did was he, he bought uh, two and a half acre land in Alder Grove. And, uh, and that was uh, where the diversity house is being built there. And now because the zoning, that land is now more than probably six, seven million dollars. And so that house going to be where everybody, not only the uh, South Asian community, anybody could go there and, and just if it's qualified, then we'll live there. It's just being built. It's not built. And, and we, all of us, three of us, we, we want the name of the house to be uh, named after Chan Paul Gill, Chan Paul Gill Diversity Home. And uh, I, I think the people in the community is also asking for that because the uh, it was everything it, it was because of Chan Paul Gill those two buildings which is which Rinder said assisted living and independent living and now at the diversity home or he built it himself with $80 starting and I think his that name of the house should be Chan Paul Gill diversity village Susan had a question sorry not a question uh, just a comment uh, I can't even remember what year it was for sure, but it was the first time I'd heard about the uh, about the farm workers having a picket line in North Vancouver, which is where I live. And there were just the three of us, uh, Raj and Sharan and myself, uh, walking the picket line down on Marine Drive in, uh, in North Vancouver. But uh, that was, we've been in touch off and on ever since. So it's great to be here with you today. Well, that's nice, Susan. Um... I was going to say one of the last conversations I had was about seniors' issues. You know, he, uh, he was talking about uh, bus passes for seniors. And he was saying, he said, you know, I don't understand uh, why they have to have, look at seniors' income. 
He said, you know, he was giving me an example of what happens in UK. He said, between 10 o'clock and 3 p.m., buses are going empty. <laughs> Why can't the government say, look, between these times, any senior could get on? And he said, you know, they'll be able to go shopping. They'll be able to go visit their friends. They'll be, you know, and he said, it's good for them, good for their health. It's probably, you know, uh, save government lots of money in, in uh, health care costs so that, you know, seniors become mobile and see their friends. And, you know, and that was one of the conversations he had with me. They said, you know, something I, I've been thinking about the same, you know, that last conversation that, you know, I should be talking to seniors groups and my friends that, you know, we should, we should uh, convince the government to do that. Why do they, they need to look at, you know, that somebody has to be below certain income before they get any kind of subsidy, uh, a bus pass? And Harinder, we have the 411 Seniors Issues Committee that we're always willing to work on these kind of issues. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we know. We, we should get together to discuss this one day. Uh, I'll contact you. What about other people? Anyone else have questions or comments? Billy. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. I'm going to try and speak without too many tears. This was a man who made a great difference in my life personally. Oh. I was once a whistleblower in my workplace, and I'm going to just read what I wrote on my Facebook today, because I'm not going to dwell. This is very important to me. I will be joining this Zoom program to celebrate the life of Shulamgil. Once the story was printed across Canada of racism in the air, Japan Airlines seating anyone who was East Indian, in quotations, or even if their names seemed like it, in their back of their planes, segregated. The story, never enough. The community led by Sharan took on the issue and made it a powerful tool in ending this racism. It was not easy. My union tried to block this at every turn, including not allowing Sharad to speak at a membership meeting on the subject. I am eternally grateful to Sharad Gill, the man who took it on. Rest in heavenly peace. I will be there to celebrate you today. Thanks. I remember this well, Billy. I, um, one of the major airlines, all the South Asian people, they were making seat at the, sit at the back. And Billy had the courage, to, it was the total courage, to um, stand up and oppose it um, and go public with it. And she got a lot of blowback. And it talks about not only her courage, but Sharon's willingness to step into the struggle and support and support her. I also remember that a number of us women organized a dinner for you, Billy, at the at a, one of the restaurants. I remember that really clearly. But I think it goes to the the medal of Sharon Gill that, you know, 
he, he didn't know Billy, he, but he knew that the issue was right, so he stood up and supported the issue. It was quite amazing. Well, I, I remember that, you know, this had become quite a quite an issue in the press because, you know, like I didn't know Billy uh, had raised it, but Sean made it an issue. And I think, you know, there was an airline, it may happen, Japan Airline was forced to apologize because what they would do is, you know, used to sit people at the back of the, the plane, uh, you know, depending on which community they come from. And I know most of the South Asians were at the back of the plane. Um, and it's, uh, since then, they had to change their policy. I Just was for- in Europe at the time and, uh, and got this letter by airmail from my mother. She didn't usually send them by airmail with the clipping to tell me about what Billy was doing. And uh, yeah, it was really exciting. Just just for the information uh, uh, for you, we uh, have talked to the family, uh, especially the elder son, uh, Jack Gale. We're going to have a celebration after this COVID is uh, settled down, we're gone. So we will have a big celebration for Charan Paul Gale. Now we have actually, we have our third speaker who fitted us in with his busy schedule. Raj Gill is a member of the Legislative Assembly for Burnaby, and he's the first South Asian person to be elected as Speaker of the BC Legislature. That's why he's dressed in, in his fancy outfit. But he also is an amazing ally to all of us, and he was one of the leaders of the organization, not only the BC organization to fight racism, but also the Canadian Farm Workers Union. That's where I met him, and he was a longtime friend and ally of our Sharon. So really, Raj, it's an honor to have you here on the Powered by Age podcast which is sponsored by the 411 Senior Center. And we'd like you to talk about um, your good friend, Sharon Gill. Thank you, Marion. It's, it's, I'm so honored and proud to be here uh, seeing you, although not in person, but it's good to see you at least uh, through the computer screen. Um, you know, talking about Sharon Gill, it's not that easy. And, you know, we need days and weeks to, uh, you know, finish our conversation about uh, Shiran Gill. Shiran Gill was a man of many talents, you know, like he knew how to live his life, even though, you know, he was very serious about, um, you know, issues like uh, fighting racism, social justice and all that. But again, he knew, you know, how to take time um, uh, and enjoy his life amongst, uh, with his friends and family on his farm. So he, he, he did a lot, you know, it's, uh, uh, he was passionate about uh, social justice and, you know, both uh, Sarwan and Harinder can, you know, tell you um, in detail uh, the three of us, the time that we spent with him. Uh, there were times when uh, he would get a call from somebody uh, from the farm, people who lived on the farm in the cabins, uh, a distress call saying that farmers or labor contractor was not treating them well. He would call us. All three of us with him jump on his car, you know, like go to uh, the fields, meet with farm workers, help them. And then, you know, sometimes we face the vicious dogs were let loose on us as well. Um, I think someone had more experience with those dogs than anybody else had. 
uh, when he was uh, there. But again, you know, it's uh, he left behind a legacy of um, uh, standing up for your rights. Like, you know, he always said, if you don't do it yourself, nobody else is going to do for you. Uh, and his work with um, uh, PICS, uh, progressive intercultural society and uh, women's issues, racism. It's just immense. Lots of work he has done. And I'm so feeling lucky that we were able to um, work with him and knew him. Thanks, Raj. Any other, you know, any other comments from anybody on, on this podcast? I wanted to ask about informing picks. What were some of the things that you did to bring together different communities or to to get it off the ground server maybe you can well, comment on that yeah 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 I, I i i'll try to answer that what what he did actually when he started that pick society in the beginning like rinder i explained it that he ten dollar from 10 people and he started that society but after that he did not care what society somebody belonged to, what community somebody belonged to, he went to everybody where he could get some money. He was number one fundraiser among all five of us. And, and so he would go to anybody and, and just even get five bucks, which will contribute to that society. Initially, the name of the society was the uh, Indian that's after that it became Indo-Cultural Society after a while because we thought that in Indo, only Indo-Canadian is no good. You have the Intercultural Society, which is a broader base. And he was thinking broadly, not only among Indian or South Asian people. So in the beginning, it was very hard when he built that uh, first uh, um, building was built that assisted uh, the uh, independent living. And in that building, he collected a lot of money from everybody. We all of us contributed. And uh, so it will take a long time to, to explain it, how he did. First building was uh, independent living. Then it was uh, assisted living. Then I said previously, uh, then he bought a land uh, not very long ago to build a diversity village in uh, Aldergo. And I think what Raj said is, is part of... Um, Sharon's legacy, which is not only did he work hard for human rights, but he also had fun, right? And, and spent time with his family and friends. And I think that's a, a lesson we all need to learn. But really, he would, and, you know, he was such an icon. And I just remember I walked into the 411 board meeting and there was Sharon Gill on the board. And I thought, my goodness, what an august board I've jo- I joined. Yeah, sure on Gil on it. Well, I can I can tell you a story about. Uh, I mean, we all know <laughs> uh, Rinder, Raj, and myself, and Judy Kavanaugh. Uh, we were one time we're having our uh, brainstorming meeting in one of the islands, and uh, we Stuart Rush, of course, was with us that time. So we were all there, and we told Sharon that we're going to that place. So we, there was no address that you, he said, I'll meet you guys over there. We did not even tell him, you know, where we were going. And we were sitting there about six o'clock, you know, after brainstorming meeting and uh, he knew the island, but he didn't know the address. And so those days we didn't have the cell phones. And and we were sitting there saying, oh, Sharon's not gonna, Chanpal not gonna come here. 
And here he was walking in the, you know, into his, driving his truck right across, right to where we were all sitting outside. Uh, we could not believe how did he find that place. I mean, that's called commitment. His, his, he was so strong and his intuition was so strong where he was going. And he found us in a remote island. This is totally amazing and was amazing to all of us, even to today. Still a mystery. We don't know how <laughs> he really mystery. found out. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just hilarious. I mean, we were all laughed when we think about that story. Raj, I wanted to ask you a question about the legal process. You know, it's noted that you changed some things for around wages, uh, equal pay. How did something come from a movement or an idea to actually becoming law? Well, it, what it was that until we started organizing farm workers before the formation of Farm Workers Organizing Committee and Canadian Farm Workers Union, the work the farm workers were not even deemed workers they were not covered under employment standards act uh, the labor code or the health and safety regulations of bc so it all was a total um, it's like dark ages uh, so as a, what we did instead of starting uh, the canadian farm worker union as a typical uh, union we kind of turned it into a social movement to put pressure on the government of the day uh, with the help from uh, unions um, uh, throughout uh, not only British Columbia, but throughout Canada, uh, like uh, the union leaders came and, you know, marched with us like John Clopero uh, was at one of our picket lines, uh, you know, and that generated so, so much pressure to make certain changes, but actual changes came about only when the NDP came to power in 1991. Uh, at that time, the government decided that farm workers should also be uh, uh, considered as, or should be workers like anybody else. So it took a long time uh, to you know, build up to that point, uh, but that's how it happened. You each have mentioned a lot about how he said, you have to take responsibility. And we've gone through uh, Black History Month, Women's History Month, and issues seem to be still hanging. And then there's sometimes people who say about everything, what's the government going to do? So from some of the issues that you still see hanging around racism, around equal pay, what are things that people can do? Well, uh, no matter which government is in power, uh, the workers' rights are workers' rights, and they can only be achieved if workers stand up for themselves. And as a community, together we hold hands, uh, join hands. That's the only way to do it. Many changes were made during the 90, uh, 1990s, but later on the government changed again. You know, it, the clock was turned back to where it was uh, in many ways. Some laws are still there, but not all of them. Um, so issue of racism was a huge. Uh, you know, like Harinder uh, can talk more about uh, racism as uh, he was the head of the Human Rights Commission uh, and he knows how uh, those issues came about. But as us, as uh, organizers, we faced, I, I'll tell you the one funny example. Although we were able to reach out to many organizations and they were very supportive, but the issue of racism was not well understood by even some progressive people. There was an uh, occasion, there was um, 
uh, I was approached by one uh, very nice woman that she asked me to come and speak uh, to the congregation of uh, their church uh, in Vancouver. So I went there, met with her. She took me inside. There were about, I would say, 50, 60 people. And uh, then uh, she said, here is Raj Chauhan today, uh, for, uh, the president of Canadian Farm Worker Union. And he's here to talk about us. And as we are the God people, we will listen to him and talk about how we, what we can do. But he's not one of us. You know, so <laughs> you know, I started by saying, yeah, I'm not Christian, but I believe in God like you do. I don't think, dog, uh, the, sorry, God discriminates, uh, discriminates against anybody, regardless about the skin of the color of their skin. So, you know, like, I didn't want to say it, but I had to say it. I don't think, you know, uh, <laughs> those are the kind of things that we had to face in those days. Well, I mean, I think at the, you know, to, in response to Charlotte's question, uh, I think Raj is correct. Uh, we have to organize as workers, we have to organize as uh, equal citizens in the society. We have to assert our rights before somebody would, you know, uh, grant us those rights. We have to say we are equals. We have the same right in the society. Uh, unless we organize and demand to be treated equally, it's not going to happen. Uh, we have to, you know, it's a struggle for equality is a long struggle. I mean, I've been at it since 19, you know, since the time I came to this country in 1970, and that's uh, 51 years ago. Uh, so, you know, it's just like a it simply cannot be that, you know, we attend one demonstration against racism, but it's going to disappear. Um, it, it takes a long time. You have to educate uh, those who may have racist thoughts or may not believe in, believe in equality, uh, that, you know, it's, uh, we're all the same. We have the same you know, blood in ourselves, uh, you know, and it's... Uh, it's it's uh, indeed you know some of these struggles take a long time. You know, same with workers' rights. You know the way I view uh, the issue of racism. It is it is international. I compare this with COVID nineteen. Until it is not eradicated everywhere in the world, we will keep facing it. As if we don't eradicate COVID nineteen anywhere in the world, it will come back to us. It's the same thing like Rinder said. I came in nineteen seventy. I've been facing first very direct racism. Now it's subtle. Even at my job, what I'm doing, I still face racism, not from my colleagues, but people who come who don't even know. They can't even uh, imagine that a person of color can make decisions. So, I mean, it is not uh, out of the ordinary. We all know, all of us gone through it. I think it's a continuous struggle to eliminate racism or to or to prevent it happening immediately in our surroundings and we have to educate wherever we go and i used to before i used to get mad but now i don't get mad if i can i try to talk to those people that it's, it, it's in your brain it's not in your skin so it, it, it is, it's you're, you're human beings like anybody so, like I said, it's an international issue, so we all have to work together. And I think it's one of the legacies of Sharon Gill that, that you know, 
that all, a number of us were steeped in the fight against racism and are still carrying it on today. And, you know, and I think that there are two, two you know, two. I think this podcast helps in the fight against racism. It reminds us that even as seniors, you know, there is racism and we have to fight against it. And I think the 411 Senior Center, we really try and be an anti-racist organization for seniors because we know even now too many seniors are facing racism. I was just talking to a woman a couple of days ago, a senior, who said that she's East Asian and she says she's afraid often to leave her house because of the racism she feels. And we, we need to make a better world for everybody, including for seniors. And one of the ways to do it is by, you know, this podcast, another way is this, is the 411 Senior Center. And, and I think just the examples that you've given of crossing hands across age lines, nationalities, countries is important because each of us, it's different. I mean, I've been involved in civil rights movement since I was a child. And I lived in Kansas, which was supposed to be a northern free state. And there were so many things that were you know, barriers, barriers to going. To, I went to a segregated school and, and it graduated in 1964 from an all-black high school where many of our teachers had master's degrees because they couldn't get placed in the white schools. And so what I'm seeing, though, in discussions from each of these months, people talking about crossing hands and how you see that one battle, if there's an evil like racism or if there's an evil like ageism or selfishness, when we cross hands across uh, each of our issues and look at the commonalities. So I think you've given so many examples of what can happen uh, when you have an inspired leader who joins hands, you know, like, as you said, each time he bugged each of you, he, he brought other people in that what can happen when people join arms and they work together, or when somebody calls you at 11 o'clock in the night and says, we're going to pick up some people. I think that's a great encouraging story where when people say, it was night. What can I do? <laughs> you show me, you know, what you could do. So thank you so much for those stories. Billy? Oh, I just wanted to share one thing that I thought was very important, something I learned from the BCOFR in meeting Sharan. And there was a small man there at this meeting, a very powerful man. And what he said that I will never forget, he said, Billy, you can take a rope and you can beat it against a rock. Eventually, that rope will make an impression on that rock. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's quite a lasting thought. It makes me think of a group called Sweet Honey and the Rock that sang a lot of songs a cappella about breaking down barriers and standing together to fight for what's right. Well, you no, know, I, I, the issue of racism, as uh, Sarvan said, you know, it's going to be with us. Uh, it has been with us unless, you know, we, it's eradicated completely. But uh, I don't think it will happen. Uh, so as, it, as such, we have to continue to stay on guard. We have to work together. We have to make sure that, um, you know, across the ethnic lines, you know, uh, across the uh, labor movement, anywhere and everywhere, wherever we find like-minded people, we have to continue to talk about it, how it's uh, affecting people's lives and how we can, you know, uh, help each other. That's the only way to do it. Uh, 
Um, otherwise, you know, those people are what we have seen in the last four years uh, across the line in the United States, so where that, that president who really put lots of you know oil on that fire uh, to um, create more racism than what we have had seen for a long time and it's that is going to stay with us for a while you know like the damage he has done uh, we have to really keep working hard well that's one of the other things about this podcast we have writers and singers, vocalists, people who are expressing things in a way that it reaches people's hearts. The stories that Billy shared and stories that other members that are reports on our, our website, on the Powered by Age site, we have a thing called Spins, which is stories, poems, and interviews. And people give more stories that relate to how they grew up, ways people have solved problems, other issues that still exist. So I think that uh, writing and creative arts and poetry allow more people to just get involved, to feel feel comfortable getting involved and touches people in different ways. A few times you it, you mentioned the social aspect, getting the people together socially and then organizing them politically. So I, I think you have expressed a winning formula there. What I think now, uh, what's going on, President Raj said, the south of the border, you can, we used to think that uh, racism, it's a bigger, it's economic and social problem, it's all together. It's not only economic situation. Look what happened with the, the Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm. She's economically well off and the racism is still biting her there, everywhere. So it's, it's, it doesn't matter how rich you are, but the racism has a bigger head and it will always be there. But we need to keep fighting it back. And not just saying, well, I'm tired of it. It should be done now. <laughs> Some people say, I'm weary of you talking about racism. We, you know, we did all that. You had the march on Washington. We had the women's march. And they think that the march is the end of it. But I think that, you know, it, 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 as long as we don't get weary and we have a way of appreciating each other's culture, I think taking time to understand other people's culture and ways of doing things helps us sometimes to identify our own intolerances or misinformation or ways that we might accidentally or unintentionally insult someone. So I think that just the way that you have expressed and shared your work with Charan gives us a pattern. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from the pandemic? Meeting, shaking hands, hugging, talking, working out uh, solutions to hack down and, you know, when they said we want to see the end of COVID forever, we want to see the end of racism forever. And there's no inoculation for that, unfortunately. (laughs) I think that this has been a lovely, and I think talking about racism at the very end of this podcast is a lovely tribute to Sharon Gale, a man who stood up and fought against racism, you know, almost every day in his life. And the fact that Sharon has inspired us to continue to struggle and continue to fight against racism is, you know, it it, it is proof of his legacy. So I want to thank um, Raj, Sarwan, and uh, Harinder for coming on, because I think that what you've done is you talk about a legacy, but not only a legacy that we should celebrate, but a legacy to inspire us to continue the fight. So thank you all. And I'm going to turn you over to Charlotte. Thank you. Watch your heart to everybody. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.